1: Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show, talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Yeah, everybody, that's what I'm talking about. What would your life be like if you knew you could not fail? Uh, but many of us, as you know, uh, Benny and I have talked about this. Let me say hi to Mr. B. Hello, B. What up, Pat? How you, B?
0: Good, good. You
1: for, being pretty good?
0: Yes, I'm excited.
1: I'm excited, too. I'm also excited. I got to give a shout out to our buddy, right, Delilah, who sat pretty much right there close to you in those seats. Got to give a shout out to her. Okay. Um, yep, we're hoping to be doing an interview with her, too, but... Our heart goes out to her because a year ago, um, as many of you know, um, her son uh, committed suicide. And, you know, today, as many of you think about what we're going to be talking about today, when we talk to Teal Swan, we're talking about fabulous, fabulous new book, The Anatomy of Loneliness, How to Find Your Way Back to Connection. Um, One of the things that I've shared with all of you all about is the fact that suicide, yep, is part of my journey in my family, uh, having lost my mother when I was six years old on her second attempt. But, you know, what is underneath all of that? You know, what is it that we don't know about our lives? What is it that we mostly don't talk about? You know, what is it about the events of our lives, the trauma the things that may happen to us along the way as we are journeyers on this planet, in these in this earth skin, what is it that happens to us that we keep so close to us in a place of isolation and desperation, and refuse to bring to the forefront? And what part of this allows us to open our eyes, allows us to feel again, you know, to lean into the happiness of things? That's why I'm so thrilled today to have all of you meet somebody that is, in my opinion, you know, in the rock star arena of what it means to be a renowned author, a speaker, social media star, travels the world. But most importantly, a powerful, 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 authentic message. And today is part of that. Whether you know Teal as somebody that you watch YouTube videos, you watch her videos, you look at what she's doing in the world, you've attended to her, her events, you've heard her, seen her, experienced her, whether it's her extrasensory abilities, clairvoyance, clairsentience, client audience, whatever the Claire's are, she, like many of us, is a survivor, a victor of severe childhood abuse. Today, step into the world that we're inviting all of you into, The Anatomy of Loneliness. Fabulous book. We're going to tell you how to get a copy of it. But this is a book for those of us who have suffered from loneliness. That thing that you so feel deeply inside of you that cannot be solved by plugging yourself into other people, places, or things. But today you're going to hear from somebody that talks about it in a way you've never heard it before. Teal, it's great to have you here. Welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having me on the show. It's good to be here.
1: Um, I want to start with the the conversation with you about this question I ask everyone. I just gave a very brief introduction of you and what you do in the world. I want to ask you this question. Mm -hmm. What challenges, what obstacles, did you personally have to overcome to bring you to this very moment?
2: I don't think we have a book this long. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> you know, first and foremost, I feel like it, the thing that I had to overcome the most was a lack of commitment to life. I and mean, I think it's ironic that you started out the show talking about suicide. I, w- I attempted several times, actually. Mm-hmm. And I just could not, for the longest time, actually commit to being here. I was like, why? I mean, I hate this place. Why would I ever want to be a part of a planet where there's this much suffering? Why would I want to be on a planet where you know the stuff that happened to me happened to me? Why would I want why would I want to be on a planet where a little kid loses their whole family in an earthquake, or where you know this marriage dissolves after two people feeling like they really love each other? It's just I was looking around at the world and all I could see was suffering. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't really until I got to the point where I realized that it doesn't do any good to sit on the fence of life if I'm going to have to really, you know, if I'm going to live at all, I, I better either really go one way or the other. And I started to do this very interesting practice, which sounds super scary to most people, but when you're suicidal, it's like the best thing you can do. Where I I told myself, you know, suicide is can be used like a safety net. I can always kill myself in five minutes. It's, that was as much of an increment as I could give myself to begin with. If I can kill myself in five minutes, what does that mean I could do with the five minutes in front of me? And and I don't get to think about suicide, I don't get to wish about it, I don't get to be on the fence, I get to commit to life for five minutes. And during that five minutes, all I'm doing is focusing on something that makes me feel a sensation of relief. And then that increased to, I could always kill myself in an hour, so what do I do with this hour? And then that was, I can always kill myself in the day, what do I do with this day? And I kept expanding it and expanding it to the point where I started to feel like I might actually want to be here, and I wasn't thinking about suicide for a week. And, and I started to think, okay, so, you know, most people are basically on the fence, actually, of life and not even knowing that they are. I mm-hmm. was just a much more extreme example of it. And so you can't really make anything of something you're not committed to because the definition of commitment is you're putting your energy into something. So I can't create a life I want unless I'm putting my energy into life. And I thought, you know, if I really hate this earth so much, why not be an agent for change of it? Because there's nothing else to do. If you see something that's making you miserable, you either change it, or you spend your life complaining, or you dissociate from it. And so, change seemed like the best option.
1: Oh my God, I got to tell you something. You know, you know that line from that story. What is that movie? That uh, what? It, what is that? Tom Cruise, where where she says, "You had me at hello." Jerry Maguire. Right. Thank you, Benny. Jerry Maguire. Okay, there we go. You had me at a low. Okay. So you had me at promise me now. You had me me at promise me now in your book. (laughs)
2: Promise me now, promise me always, even as they dismember. And yeah,
1: okay. You did. Uh, So the reason you did is because you're absolutely right about this. I love the way you describe that, you know, because those of us that understand what isolation feels like, I'm not saying that we understand what it is, but we understand what it feels like. Isolation. Those moments of torment where we're making a decision. Why do I want to be here? Uh, am I actually here? Am I he- do I feel like I'm like here? Am I like a human, like other humans? Mm-hmm. And so the reason I love Promise Me Now is because my, my personal idea of what my life was like was full of broken promises. I went on to study it for eight years. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask you this question. Promise Me Now and the way you opened this fabulous book. Is it an invitation? Is it an invitation from you? Just asking.
2: Yeah, it's an invitation. Yes, and what I'm trying to do with this, I like to use poetry to try to get people into a specific feeling state. And there's this this feeling state of, of transcendence of suffering where you're answering people pushing you away by expanding yourself wider. The, the way that, that I like to sort of look at it is, let's say that somebody was to shoot an arrow. If you become water, the arrow, literally doesn't pierce it, it just becomes absorbed in it and it is this, this the most intense felt sensation. So I was offering an invitation, invitation by putting down words that would create an emotional sensation to set the stage for the book. So let's talk about
1: the book for a minute. Um, for those of you just tuning in, I just want to make sure you know uh, who, who this is uh, that I'm chatting with here today. Of course, you know Benny. Uh, I want you to remember this book title, everybody. If you if you would, the anatomy of loneliness, how to find your way back to connection and joining me here today as the author of that book, Teal Swan. Um, f- before we go to break, I, I got to ask you a couple of questions really about loneliness. I want to mm-hmm. I want to kind of chime in with you about that. I think loneliness is right up there as one of the most misunderstood words. I mean, this morning I was like, I I was like, I had a, I had like, it was like a toss up. It was either going to be loneliness or forgiveness. I couldn't decide which one, Mm -hmm. but I think at the moment, loneliness, I think it's up there with one of the most misunderstood words. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is because of how we try to fix it. What does loneliness mean to you? Loneliness to me
2: means perceiving yourself to be completely separate from everything else in existence. So it's something that can happen when you're in the room with people. And that's what I think is our biggest misunderstanding. When we think about loneliness, we think about somebody sitting by themselves in their house. But actually that's not the most pervasive form of loneliness. The worst type of loneliness is the type you get in an unhappy marriage where you may be in the same house every day with someone, but you're living in two different parallel perceptual realities. And that is something which all of us experience to a certain degree.
1: I gotta tell you, I experienced that for 14 years with somebody, mm-hmm. and I didn't get it till I till it, till I wasn't in that relationship, but you really nailed it. And I'm, now I'm thinking about the times in our lives where not only do we maybe experience that with, I don't know, like a loved one that we're married or in relationship to, however you want to describe that but also in growing up in our lives, you know, (laughs) oh, it's like, wait a minute. uh, Like anybody here, a parent, raise your hand, raise Mm. your hand. If you're my mom, raise your hand. If you're my dad, when we come back, we're going to talk about what is it about this idea of trauma that we so don't understand. And is it, Again, at the core of how we fragment ourselves, fragment our lives, and set ourselves up for a lifetime of human isolation. I'm not going to answer those questions. That's why I've got Teal Swan. When we come back, I want to tell you how to get a copy of your book, Like Now, pre-order. I'm also going to tell you how you can find out more about Teal, where she is, what she's doing, what she's up with. And we are taking your questions 1-800-930-2819. Also, go to the Dr. Pat Show. You can type your question in right there. Take a short break, everybody. We'll be right back.
0: Tune in to E3 Influence Radio. Own your impact. Master your world. In this new hit show, Sarah Luce, empowerment coach and spiritual mentor, teaches us how to achieve our greatest potential to positively affect everything and everyone. The time is now to enlighten our minds, empower our hearts, and take energized action to raise the consciousness of our planet. Sarah shows us how with simple, easy-to-implement steps. To find out more about Sarah Luce and her E3 Influence program, visit SarahLuce.com.
2: Do you believe you are meant to live with more joy, but you're just not sure how to get it? What does the phrase, give me the joy, make you feel? Join me, Lynn Hoard, every second and fourth Thursday, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, on the Give Me The Joy show, as I take you on a journey to peel back the layers so you can take back your joy. To find out more about my
0: work as the joy coach, including my popular programs, Joy School and Joy at Work, visit lynnhord.com.
1: Facebook Live link to them. Oh my goodness. That is like that is like kicking it back. Old schools, what I'm talking about, Benny. How Benny, far back? Benny. How far back? Oh my God. I, I gotta <laughs> say I gotta say sixty two. Okay. How close am I? Oh, I don't know. I'm I was I thought you were right on it.
0: That's pretty good. sounds about oh, right. I, I have to know. look. I don't know. I, I okay, didn't I know you were looking up. for a date. All
1: right. There you go. I'm always looking for a date. Uh, welcome back, everybody. The Anatomy of Loneliness. Um, okay, so before we talk and really jump back into this deal, one of the things I want to do is by the
0: way. You were close.
1: I was close. Okay. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I really dated myself right there. <laughs> Ooh, doggy. Um, for, first, I want to ask you about the book, if you don't mind, Teal. One of the things I want to ask you about the book is: one, how do we find out more about it? How can people order a copy of it? Where is it available? All of the above if you can share. And then can we just go to your website and get it?
2: Yeah, that's actually the best place to do it. Because if you remember, my name is just pretty easy. Just tealswan.com. The first thing you'll see there is a banner of this book. And you click on that link and it takes you straight to everywhere that you can purchase purchase the book. But I've got a special offer for people who are listening live today. And that is that if you go and you order that and you send a proof of purchase to gifts at tealswan.com, what we're going to do is send you a free audiobook version of my book that I did called The Connection Process, which is an absolutely perfect adjunct to The Anatomy of Loneliness, because The Anatomy of Loneliness it's all about you know how to create connection and what loneliness is all about and how to topple those pillars of loneliness. But the Connection Process is three highly esoteric processes for actually establishing intimacy and entering into the internal world of another person.
1: Awesome. Um, And we're going to make sure all of you today understand much more about the book. And please, you can go ahead and order it now. Um, I did that this morning myself. And so go ahead and do that. Um, Teal, before the break, I was talking a, a, a little bit about this idea of loneliness, of isolation. But I really want to really put it in the context of the bridge between trauma in our lives and shame. Okay. Okay. Trauma. What does trauma mean in an early childhood? We all, you know, those of us that have experienced it, we have our own personal experience, but there's trauma that then has a ripple effect throughout our whole life. And shame is one of the heavy hitters, I think. And you talk about this brilliantly in the book. Can you talk to the bridge between trauma and shame for me? Yes. Okay. Here,
2: I'm about to be long-winded. Go for it. (laughs) Okay. Trauma, the definition of trauma is distress without resolve. We tend to have a very limited way of looking at trauma. We tend to think about car wrecks. We tend to think about um, people dying in earthquakes, really extreme things. And so the majority of people, when they look at their life, they can't look at you and honestly say, I have experienced trauma. When the truth is, all people, I mean all, A-L-L, all people alive today have experienced trauma meaning they were in a state of distress that did not get resolved. Now, the primary way that we cope with this experience, maybe I should backtrack a bit. If we look at that concept of distress without resolve, that includes things that are like being weaned. It includes being born at a hospital and getting separated from mom first thing instead of put on top of her stomach. That includes um, jealousies that we have. And so when we think about trauma we've got to kind of expand our idea to include anything that involves distress without resolve when we can't create resolution and resolution means we've moved to a space of healing so let's define healing for you to heal is to experience the opposite so if i experience loneliness or isolation the opposite of I is i experience connection and closeness so if you want to be simple about everything to heal is to experience the opposite when we create resolve is when we have moved from the distress into the healing so we have if we haven't done that we have to come up with a coping mechanism for the distress and this is where human beings get into all of this trouble because the primary mechanism for coping in the human race is fragmentation of consciousness Mm -hmm. so in the moment we experience something distressing it doesn't have to be something extreme like molestation or whatever even though for some people, and I was definitely that case, that's what Mm -hmm. that trauma entails. Mm -hmm. Let's say that when we're young and we're at a birthday party and we're feeling jealous because another kid is getting all the presents, and we start to act out from that distress. But what we are met with on the outside is mom or dad or somebody else being like, you don't get to feel jealous. It's not right to feel jealous. Back when it was your birthday, we watched you get all the presents. Now you need to be less selfish. That didn't resolve my distress at all, and I can't do anything in order to heal from it. And so what I do is I split my consciousness into the aspect that's still super jealous and another coping aspect, which is basically saying, You don't you shouldn't be jealous, or you don't need to be jealous, or I'm not jealous. Mm-hmm. See so we haven't actually created anything more than a split within our conscious mind. And we identify then with the part of ourselves that coped in that way. And that's what becomes our personality. So you know, I'd like to upset people a lot and say your personality is totally fake. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here's what's happening with shame. People don't understand shame because people think that shame is an emotional state. The emotional feeling of shame is actually a secondary part of the process of shame. The, the original process is actually a biological affective reaction a lot like the fight-or-flight mechanism. So here's how it works. Because I'm a physical human, I am completely relationally dependent in the first years of my life. And that's the foundation of my psychology. If we take a tiny baby human and we put it out in the wild, it can't fend for itself. It can't feed itself. It can't change itself. It can't meet its needs. As a human being, we're much worse even than a typical herd species like a horse, because horses come out, they're still completely dependent on the herd, but... They're walking around within an hour. We don't do that. So we are completely relationally dependent. This means that our nervous system is totally keyed in to our survival being linked to our closeness to our social group. That's everything for us. So if I am dependent upon and need desperately to be close to my mother and my mother starts to push me away, this is a very energetic thing. When you're, when mom looks at you with that look of disapproval or says yeah. something that makes mm-hmm. you, you know, know that she's disapproving, the way that is felt in the body is as a push away by her. Now, what I will instantly do is to create a triangulation within my own self by aligning with my mother and trying to establish closeness by also turning against that part within me. So by her pushing this part in me away, I will then turn against that aspect of myself. But I can't when I do that, when I try to push that part of me away, say, for example, she turns against my jealousy and that jealousy is actually a part of me. If I turn against my jealousy and push my jealousy away, what I'm creating is a fracture in my consciousness because I can't split my body off, right? I can't cut myself in half. Obviously, I die, but I can do that with my consciousness. So I create a separation between that part of me and the rest of me. And what do we know about separation? This is where it comes into loneliness so intensely. Yeah. Um, if I push you away, I can't do that without also pushing myself away simultaneously. It's the same concept as I can't hit you without hitting my hand at the same time. Mm. So because that part of me that I'm pushing away is still linked to me, I register the emotions of that part of me. So I will feel the inevitable separation which is the heart of loneliness, in pushing that part of me away. Which is why what I'm putting forth in this book, which is rather different, is that the primary thing that's actually causing loneliness is this internal process of fragmentation that keeps taking place over and over again. And shame, of course, being one of the main pillars and the culprit of this, because it is to push a part of yourself away.
1: Oh, I love it. I love this so much because what the what you just gave is really a brilliant visual. And, you know, someone might ask the question, Teal, they might ask the question, but at some point, you know, how many times can you uh, do this separation? How many times can you literally take uh, it? I want to call it it for a moment and uh, take that it part of ourselves and fragment it. Well, the answer is infinitely, yep. infinitely, infinitely. Because infinitely means that by the very nature of what you're talking about, using the term fragmentation, which I love, is that we can never come to the end of our ability to keep fragmenting unless we learn something else. Yes. And the the
2: more we fragment, the worse our life experience Mm -hmm. becomes. So, you know, when you're looking at somebody who's dealing with suicidal tendencies, chances are that people in their life experience have pushed them away so often that they've turned against so many parts of themselves that now they are living in basically a state of internal separation so intense that these people are shattered. It's different than like, I'm broken. I mean, we're past that point, you know.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is such a visual for people. For those of you that are listening, um, think about this, right? you know, think about looking at a blank wall. And I think this is what you're saying. Think about looking at a blank wall and, and on the blank wall, you put on a post-it note, a thing, and you go back as far as a matter of fact, you actually have an exercise in the book that I love, um, where you're talking about how to repurpose, (laughs) how to repurpose this. I really love that. You you could tell. You you could tell that I, I had uh, qu- quite an interesting childhood if I loved that exercise, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what I love about it is you start to look at these things. Before you know it, you'll you'll be able to visually see the fragmentation. Yeah. What have you found? And I, I want to ask you this question. In, in your experience of working with other people and writing about this and researching about it, speaking about this... What have you found is the most difficult part of people facing themselves on this issue? It feels like crap. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you oh. know,
0: it's,
2: I have this real interesting relationship with you know being in the position that I am because I'm teaching people to follow their emotions and follow what feels good. But there comes this point where if you're dedicated to life feeling even better you can't keep using sort of a feel-good state or positivity as a form of escapism Mm -hmm. and this is what i'm watching and it's why i have so much resistance in the world i'm convinced today is because to be honest with you when you move into spaces of awareness or healing it doesn't always feel good the way that i like to to um explain this is like let's say that the way that you that you coped or that you tried to create healing which isn't really healing but the Mm -hmm. way you tried to deal with the distress is almost like a bone setting wrong
1: Mm
2: obviously the next process to get into a better state of alignment is you have to actually re break the bone in order right. to put it back into the position that it needs to be in. And most of us, I mean, what the definition of a coping mechanism is I'm coping out of the pain. I'm doing some behavior that takes me out of it. Now we understand that there are most coping mechanisms are super, super harmful, you know, like drinking is a coping mechanism. You, you do that to deal with pain and we can see that it destroys whole lives and families. So, but in order to let go of the coping mechanisms, it means that we're basically dropped back into the original distress that was not resolved. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can promise people all I want to that the answer to your life going well and creating the life you've always been wanting to live is on the other side of that pain and that distress. But, I mean, the single biggest barrier, I'm, as far as I'm concerned, to why people don't want to do this work or have the resistance to it is because it hurts. Yeah. If yeah. I've been taught my whole life that, that it's wrong to feel jealousy. And now I'm like, well, I have to accept that jealousy is the distress that wasn't resolved. I have to feel that jealousy again. And and there's not all parts of me that want to do that. (laughs)
1: no I know you know it's it's it's, so this is really interesting of the parallels in this because you know I'm thinking about what you said and then I'm thinking about of course my body breaking down after years of bottling myself up with everything you've just talked about right at one point my body decided oh honey forget it you cannot keep going the way you're going (laughs) but what I decided to do is I decided to take a natural path right Mm-hmm. Uh, to heal my body because what I found is what I didn't know I'd find is it's more than a natural path. It was more of a whole path. But here's the thing I was introduced to. I want to just say this before we go to break. I was introduced to this. Dr. Darvish said to me one day, okay, now you go, I'm, I'm going to give you this stuff. Your body's never had it before and you may have a reaction. Well, what I discovered is we. it's called a Herzheimer reaction. It's mm-hmm. called short Hertz. It's a Hertz reaction, H-E-R-Z. And that reaction happens from now going down the path where you're peeling away the layers of stuff that you have put in your body and it literally goes through and it, in a sense, it's detoxing your body. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of feeling worse before getting better mm-hmm. became a reality to me. Yep. But The good news is, and let's talk about this when we come back. So, like, if nobody ever tells you about this, if nobody ever tells you a little bit about how do we rid ourselves of shame, of blame, of fear, the way you do in the book, and give people tools, man, we don't stay with it. We Mm -hmm. just don't want to stay with it. When we come back, we're going to be talking to Teal about how she developed that stay-with-it superpower and what it is that Teal's sharing in her fabulous book, The Anatomy of Loneliness, How to Find Your Way Back to Connection. And why connection? Well, okay, look, if we were meant to be, like, isolated, each of us would have gotten our own planet. Let's take a short break, everybody. We'll be right back.
0: We walked the loneliest mile we smile without any style, we kiss all together
2: wrong, no intention. We lie about each other's
0: strengths. we live... With- Demystifying the Journey on From Here to There Radio with your host, Diane Garris. Tune in every third Wednesday, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on TransformationTalkRadio.com as Diane helps you get from where you are now to the life you envision. Get ready to get unstuck and move forward. Every show features a new special segment, New Age Notes, demystifying hot metaphysical topics of the day. For more information or to work with Diane, visit DianeGarris.com. Practice living in wholeness with the body tune-up. Six classes for $89 designed for radical self-healing and self-regeneration. Heal the deepest root of any challenge. The mental body was programmed in negativity, not good enough. Separate from source, you're too much, you'll never make it. The emotional body holds all the pain and trauma of emotional suppression. All the pain from this life and life's past. The spiritual body is the place you connect with your higher power, your higher self, with the image and likeness of the one. The physical body houses and expresses the other three bodies every day. Go to corneliastephanie.com. Evolve, become a practitioner. We need to heal, integrate, and bring into wholeness and harmony the physical body, addressing all the other bodies in order to live in our true, authentic nature. Hi, I'm Laura Meeks, and the most common problem that my clients face is all work and no play. This is why I created Fly High Living. I help you develop a balanced life plan and guide you to a place where you love to wake up in the morning. Call 888-666-1570 or go to flyhighliving.com to sign up for the four-week Flight Plan
1: for Life course.
0: Have you been searching for a push to step out and share your gifts with the world? Allow Charlene Hess to empower you to start shedding the layers of your ego that are holding you back and begin feeling connected to your heart so that you can shine your unique divine light and share your gifts with the world. Tune in to The Charlene Hess Show, Living on Your Heart's Edge, every third Friday at noon Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. For more information, visit CharleneHess.com.
1: Uh, we going to sing? I think we should, we just got to crack out a tune right here. On. here we go. Come on, I Don't let me sing this song alone. She let me sing that song alone. Uh, <laughs> welcome back, everybody. I can't sing a lick. Just saying. Uh, welcome back, everybody. Welcome to the show. Um, I want to mention again... Um. The book is called The Anatomy of Loneliness, but I want to make sure everybody knows two things. One, how to find out more about Teal, Teal Swan, the author of the book, uh, and much more. And then also, Teal, if you would give out that information, Facebook information, and also let folks know that they can go to your website to get a copy of the book and pre-order
2: Okay. Yeah. Basically the best way to find me is on tealswan.com. So if all you do is remember my name, you're totally fine there because if you go to YouTube and you type in Teal Swan, or you go to Facebook and type in Teal Swan, you can find me super, super easily. And if you go to the website, it has everything organized. So if you want to see the videos, if you want to see the books, if you want to see the products, if you want to see events, all of it is in one location. Mm-hmm. And so is on the very front page of this book, the advertisement that you can click on that takes you to a link where you can buy this book, The Anatomy of Loneliness. And the special offer that we're giving to the people who are listening today is that if you do that, you pre-order the book, then what happens if you send in proof of purchase to gifts at tealswan.com is that we will send you an audio version of my book, The Connection Process, which is a perfect adjunct to the anatomy of Wellness, because the connection process offers three esoteric processes for how to create intimacy with another person and how to hack into their internal world. So it's like increased intimacy on top of what I'm teaching in the book of the anatomy
1: of Wellness. Awesome. Th- thank you so much for uh, first of all, thank you for bringing the topic forward. Thank you for bringing the conversation forward. I kind of want to kind of jump uh, sort of to, for me, what has been a personal struggle with me all my life. And, uh, and I didn't know that, I especially didn't know it through uh, myself, my own self-analysis, right? But through the way other people perceive me. And most people wouldn't know this, Teal, but I'm on air close to 12 hours a week. Been on here for 15 years. The listeners renamed the show. Most people don't know my last name. I never think to say it, mm-hmm. uh, but when they meet me in person, like if I go to an event, they're they're curious and they want to find out for me. Is there something wrong? You know, are you okay? And the reason they 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 are doing that is because I scored so high on the introvert scale on the Myers-Briggs in my corporate experience, it made me take it four times. (laughs) Four times to take it because in public, I'm just like hanging. Mm. But connection for me has been a real, uh, what I want to say is almost like a jigsaw puzzle because my nature is to be quiet. And yet when we're talking about creating connection and the way you are in the book, we are not necessarily talking, quote, about that. We're talking about connection as sort of a um, a remedy, let's say, but a certain kind of connection. I'd love for you to talk about that, what you discovered for yourself as well in life.
2: Well, what I discovered is that the biggest barrier for creating connection is a, a lack of authenticity, and mm-hmm. it fits in perfectly with where you are because, you know, back when... When all of this stuff was happening to school shooters, being a person in my position, I'm consulted a lot about what I think is causing this. And my answer is always loneliness, right? But people don't get that because what we know from studying um, these students who shoot up schools is that there have been prom kings that have done it as well. So it seems like the popular kids that are surrounded by kids and who, quote unquote, aren't lonely, or so it seems, are just at risk as every other kid for doing this to a school. And what I have to say to that is it's all in authenticity. The person who is the wallflower who's sitting in a class, nobody knows who the hell that person is. Their internal world is never shared. They don't have any intimacy. No one feels into them, no one sees them, no one listens to them, nobody really understands them. But the same is true of the person on the opposite end of the scale, which is the class clown or the popular kid. What people are in a relationship with is is the persona that they put forth to the world. And it's their way of staying safe because they've learned that to be the wallflower is to meet with consequences in the same way that the wallflower has learned the reverse. To be in front of people and put yourself out there is to meet with consequences. Both are just as lonely. So authenticity is really the order mm-hmm. of the day if we want a close connection. Yeah. Better way of understanding this is that most of us, because we come into the process of socialization in our childhood, not most of us, all of us, are taught that there are certain traits that are acceptable, certain traits that are not acceptable. The traits that are acceptable are going to get you brought closer to the community and are going to be rewarded. The traits that are considered not acceptable are going to get you pushed further away and punished. And so we go through this very rudimentary programming, if you will, where we start to put forth a persona of whatever will get us accepted or, or bring us closest to the social group. And so we begin to play a character. It's no different than a character that some actor plays in a movie. So let's just think of uh, somebody. Let's say Julia Roberts. We all know that Julia Roberts played in a movie called Pretty Woman. Now, she played a character in that movie. Now imagine a million people watching that movie character and that's who they wanna be in a relationship with. You can guarantee that the life that takes place in that character is gonna be different to the real life of Julia Roberts. And the personality of that character may be completely different to the personality of Julia Roberts. And so when she starts to be authentic and really show herself, people are going to be disappointed because they didn't sign up for that. They signed up for the character. And Julia Roberts at the same time is going to feel completely lonely because nobody's in a relationship with her. They're in a relationship with the character. And this is what all of us are doing in our waking life. I mean, to one degree or another, we are all completely inauthentic. And because this process of fragmentation causes us to identify with only the part of us that kept us safe, We're not actually including all parts of ourselves as parts of ourselves. So we're hiding from the world. And as long as we do that, no one can actually touch us. It's like we're interacting with a mask. It's like imagine somebody kissing and you've got a mask. You're not even going to feel them because they're kissing the mask. And that is our life on planet Mm -hmm. Earth.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, the minute that you started to talk about fragmentation in your book, you know, all of of a sudden the, the dots got connected for me. Because the more fragmented that, you know, uh, I know that I look at my own life and I think about that same idea and what gets put into motion, how could I even remember who I authentically uh, am? And so I had to go through my own healing process or let's just say transformation because who I was then is irrecognizable to me today and who I am now is irrecognizable to the people that knew me then. I had a high school reunion thing that came up and my and the people in the high school reunion were emailing me because they see me now on the uh, what do you call it internet and I, I'm getting information and they're like, wait a minute, are you the papazilli in the plain field? And I'm like, Yeah, that's me. And they said are you alive? And I said, Yeah, like, you know, I'm emailing you. Who's emailing you? And they said, man, you know, we you are home we when you graduated school, you were homeless on the street. And we thought you were dead. And so there's this perception of who I thought I was then and and who I am now and the way the world views us in fact may or may not be the same but i think when you talk about authenticity in the book the thing that i really relate to is the process for me and the sense of coming home that it feels like when i get a little taste of it do you know what i mean oh yeah i know yeah Yeah. do you know it's so hard to explain you know for me stumbling upon what I do for a living now through a wrong phone number, the minute I got behind a mic, something changed for me. And I started to talk about things I never talked about before. Then I started to interview people like you who are bold and brave and stepping out into the world and maybe cutting against the grain Mm -hmm. because in the world we live in today, it may feel like we're cutting against the grain to be our authentic self. Is that because that maybe we don't remember that part of us.
2: Yeah, because we have fragmented off from it, and then we're in the process of reowning. We changed completely. I have a similar story, actually. Back in my yeah. childhood, I grew up in the type of society that's like a, a Western society, which is notorious for being not okay with vulnerability. And <laughs> so when people who, you know, I was only friends with one person actually in my childhood one other girl who didn't even live in the same state as me but the whole reason that this person loved me is because i was such a freaking renegade like i was the kind of kid who was like at 3 a.m at eight years old i would have woken up and i actually did this drug her on a three mile hike through the city to try to get to another place i just decided that i wanted to be that day i had i had disconnected from my own fear actually and vulnerability it wasn't okay. So I identified with a part of myself who was like, I don't care, and took every risk and had no sensitization around anything that was scary. And it wasn't until I was in my early 20s when I started to go through the process of trauma resolution when I started to reown that aspect. So instead of pushing away this part of myself or denying it and disowning it, I, I started to reconnect with the aspect of me who was terrified and actually really vulnerable in a lot of situations in my childhood. My whole personality changed. I started to become fearful. I started to become the kind of person who really hated taking a lot of risks. I hated getting in trouble. (laughs) And (laughs) when this person came to see me, she was like, this is really hard. You know, I'm going to have to get to know you completely all over again because Teal's like the wild one who drags everybody into bad things and everybody thinks she's a bad influence. Now it's like, you know, she's scared to even go out when it's dark. I mean, it's like I don't even know you. But it was really that I was reowning an aspect of myself I had disowned back when. And now what you're seeing When you reown that aspect, you don't see like a a swinging of the pendulum. What you eventually see is this middle path, which is a a perfect, like I call it the third element of both. So now you're seeing a person in me who's got that same same renegade, super brave personality in certain areas. And I've got this super vulnerable, fearful aspect of me in other areas.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's us. We're twins. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. We're twins. And, uh, you know, but part of this, you know, let, let's go ahead, Betty, we're, we're going to skip the last break. Let's go ahead and talk about how this either helps us to understand what we need to do to create that connection or can become an obstacle for connecting. But I, I like one of the exercises you said earlier back uh, in the book about how to repurpose some of these parts of ourselves, mm. Right. Because my whole, I don't know, what do we want to call it, aversity to connection, my shyness, I really am shy. Um, my level of connecting comes out over the airwaves, and my true commitment and feeling towards the best listeners on the planet. Every day as I woke up in excruciating pain, I got to connect with thousands and thousands of people all over the world that are amazing, would call in. I don't even know how to repay them back for that gift. So I had to learn it later. What can you say to help people perhaps not wait as long as I did to stumble upon it? That's how I relate so much to your book. If I'd have had this book, you know, I don't know. Maybe I could have sped things up and started skydiving sooner. But mm. tell it. Connection. Give mm. us your, how should I say it, your most important Notation about it.
2: My most important notation about connection is we got to develop intimacy mm-hmm. Intimacy is something most people don't understand because when I say that word most people are thinking about sex ah. And intimacy is not sex Intimacy is to is into me see mm. It's to see into someone to feel into someone to hear into somebody so as to understand them completely It's to penetrate their internal reality and vice versa so intimacy is something that we need to be doing, regardless of what relationship it is that we're dealing with. And I'm even getting so aggressive as to say this is the relationship we need to have with people, even in the workforce, with our bosses, with the people that we hire, with our coworkers. So it's not just isolated to, I mean, I really practice this as as something that I want to do with all people. Mm. I want intimacy even with the people who I would consider to be my opposition. Mm-hmm. Oh, Yeah. And if we are able to establish that intimacy, then what happens is a link is formed between us and the other person. And and what I'm putting forth in the book is that this is actually the greatest safety we can have as a human race. Mm -hmm. Because if, if I'm connected to somebody else in that way, if I can feel into them, see into them, hear into them, and understand them, I now... Understand what their best interests really are so I know when I'm in a space to betray their best interest or not And if I'm connected to this person now suddenly I can't disconnect from their best interest can I and if I hurt them I feel the byproduct of that injury Mm -hmm. I mean that the reality in life today on earth is that if you hurt somebody it will absolutely affect you whether you're aware of it or not and Most of us are so blind to that because we don't feel the the instantaneous effect. We feel the after effect So if we can get connected enough that we feel that instantaneous effect, then suddenly everyone else's best interest becomes a part of our best interest. Suddenly we can't screw another person over. Suddenly we can't talk in terms of those people over there. And that ends war. That ends crime. That ends all the suffering that you're seeing in the world today.
1: Yeah. I love that you're talking about this because you know, for those of us that didn't wake up one day and say, "I'm going to have a career in broadcasting," and by the way, let me let me build a broadcast network that's all about positive, upbeat talk, I had no idea that I was entering an industry that is kind of the antithesis of what you just described. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> I, 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 we do a whole another show on that one. Yeah. But from day one, I needed to come out and be part of a community, and help other people launch their brand. And so I love that I was so ignorant. I love that I was ignorant about this particular industry. And by the way, still quite ignorant about it, because I don't want it to get in the way of what we're doing here, a a bigger mission. For you, has ignorance at some level been bliss for you? Uh, I wish I could say that I had it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I never came into this
2: life with that luxury. I can see how it would be. I mean, it, it's it's a hell of a lot more complicated to take steps in life when when you're not in a space of ignorance. You
1: know? Yeah. So, yeah. 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 yeah, I do. Um, uh, you know, I, I kind of think that for many of us... Um, recognizing we're ignorant doesn't mean we stay ignorant and for those of you that are thinking I'm being like all bad about myself listen just look up the definition of ignorance and stupid they're not the same um, you know Teal I know we've got a few minutes left um, I want to ask you again please how can we get a copy of the book um, I want to thank you for today and I want to thank you for writing this book I don't know if people that are listening are going to quite understand the power in what you've put on paper here, Mm -hmm. how you've put it on paper, and how you're opening up a door and a pathway to freedom that perhaps they have not had available to them. Mm -hmm. So I want to thank you for that. Please tell folks again how to get this uh, book and order it now. You don't have to wait. And then one last question. I'd love to know your personal message. Okay.
2: Well, the best place to get this book is to go to my website, tealswan.com, and where you'll see a banner that advertises this book, The Anatomy of Wellness, If you click that link, it's pretty obvious how to do that, and you can go, and it will bring you to every different place you can purchase this book. It's super, super simple if you go to the website, and for the people, as a quick reminder, who want to do that today, we're offering... That special offer, which is that if you send proof of purchase to gifts at tealswan.com, you're going to get an audio download of my other book, The Connection Process, which is a perfect adjunct to this book. My personal message would be as difficult and as painful as it is to go in the direction of what you're afraid of and to go in the direction of the pain that you've been keeping or that distress that hasn't been resolved. If you think of it like a wormhole, It is my personal promise that when you go into that wormhole, what you pop out of on the other side is the life that you have been wanting and trying to create but not being able to create. And I can also tell you that the one misconception we have when it comes to going into these things is that we have to do it alone. We absolutely don't. So hold the hand of somebody and go in the direction of what scares you. And your life is waiting on the other side.
1: I have one little request. Can I ask it, please? Sure. Can you recite Promise Me Now? Or at least take us out with what you've created here for Promise Me Now. God, oh, do I remember this? <laughs> I'll fill in what you don't remember. I'll help you. Okay. Oh, God. Okay,
2: let me see if I can remember this. Okay, it goes, Promise Me Now, Promise Me Always, that even as they strike you down with a myriad of hate, hatred and violence, even as they dismember and destroy you, that no man can ever be your enemy. The only thing worth anything is love, unconditional, invincible, limitless love. One day when you face this world, unburdened by the tyranny of fear and hate and greed, your fellow men will behold you. Across a thousand cycles of living and dying in full bloom, your joy will become eternal. No sun or moon that ever rises will ever see it
1: fade. Thank you. Teal Swan, everyone. I'm Dr. Pat. Please get a copy of the book, The Anatomy of Loneliness, and remember some of the things you've heard today, and also remember that you are absolutely by far more amazing more amazing than anything you even think you are. Thank you, Teal. Thank you so much. Thank you, Benny. Thanks to everybody out there pushing the right buttons. Stay tuned, another hour coming up on Transformation Talk Radio.